Uh, we're continuing in the second of a three-part series on worry, and uh, we're going to read Matthew six twenty-five through 30, and then next week we're going to continue on with 31 through the rest of the chapter. Here's God's holy and infallible word, Jesus continuing to preach in the Sermon on the Mount. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? And, and why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? That's God's word for us this morning. So with our verses on worry, Jesus hits Yet another topic that is so relevant to our lives in his Sermon on the Mount. Once a, a bassoon player came up to the, the famous conductor, Arturo Toscanini, and nervously said before a concert that he could not reach the high E flat. Toscanini just smiled and replied, don't worry, there is no E flat in your music tonight. And so many of our worries are like that. They are unfounded. And that's why worry is so foolish. And the thing about it being foolish is we know it. We know this is crazy of us, yet we still do it. I have a personal worry story to share this morning and maybe more of a confession. I planned a a special family outing on Friday afternoon to see the movie Zootopia. At the picture show in Bloomingdale, they show movies that are uh, they're a few months behind. Two seventy-five a ticket. What a place to go with the family. I had it all planned out because that's what I do. I'm a planner. And unfortunately, things did not go according to plan. We left 10 minutes later than I wanted to. I wasn't happy about that. I was a bit frustrated as we drove there. I may have even said something like, I kind of wish we weren't even going. I was frustrated. And then in my mind, I imagined the scenarios. 275, a ticket on a summer afternoon, school's out, everybody's going to be at this movie. The movie theater would be packed. We would never be able to get six seats together. And then I imagined the concession lines being really long. So that make it even harder to get good seats because you've got to have popcorn when you go to a movie. At least I do. So I had it all figured out. I would stand in line to get tickets, get concessions, and everyone else would rush into the theater so we wouldn't get stuck in the front row or in the back row. I had everything accounted for, but it was going to be tight. And, you know, we might not even get into the movie getting there so much later than I wanted to. Well, we drove up, and I looked at the the movie theater entrance with concern. Well, the throngs weren't lined up outside, at least. Okay. We walked in the doors. 
two people ahead of us in line getting tickets and concessions. Okay, maybe my worries were a bit unfounded. We walked into the theater. There were three people in there. I looked at Sarah sheepishly, and the gracious wife that she is, she just laughed because this sort of thing has happened before. And we sat down with our popcorn. We enjoyed 15 minutes of ads, and then the preview started, and then later the movie started. I said last Sunday that I'm doing better with worry, and then this happened, you know, and and some days I'm not so sure if I'm really improving much. Sometimes... Doesn't it seem like the Christian life feels like we make one step forward and then a couple steps back? I'm not saying I regret planning well and getting to the movie early, but I do regret getting anxious about leaving 10 minutes late. I do regret worrying about things that at that point were totally out of my control. It turned out that not a single one of my concerns, traffic on the way was another one, not a single one of my concerns actually came to pass. And even if they did, it was just a lousy movie. Who cares if we were late? Who cares if we didn't have a a good seat? Who cares about any of it, really, in the big scheme of life? But that's worry for you. Jesus knows we struggle with this, some of us more than others, and he offers us freedom from worry in our text. We saw three R's last week. One, respect, worries, power. Two, refocus on heavenly treasure. Worry literally means to get distracted because it takes our eyes off of Jesus. When we're staying focused on Jesus and his church and on his kingdom and loving others first, our mission, the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, heavenly treasure, we focus on those things, we're going to have a lot less opportunity to waste our time on worry. Finally, we saw last week that Jesus starts giving us reasons we don't have to worry. And we just got started on those reasons last week. The first one was from verse 25, that if, and it's that if God gives us the greater gift, which is our life and our body in the first place, then all the lesser gifts, the details of what it takes to keep our life and bodies going, well, then those details are going to be taken care of by the Lord too, if he took care of the big picture of creating us in the first place. Before getting into the other reasons, which is verses 26 to 30, I want you to consider for a minute what Jesus tells us not to worry about. Don't worry about what you eat or drink, what you'll wear. And this is meant, it's meant to be comprehensive, not only those three specific things. It covers all the things we might worry about, all possible earthly concerns. And this is what I want you to think about. What's amazing is how for many people, that is their entire field of vision in life. That's their vision. That's their scope. That's their world. Earthly stuff. They spend their life thinking about these things, talking about them, discussing them, arguing about them. Food, drink, clothes, sports, our money, other things that are fading away. The world and Satan want us to live on that level. The level of worrying about good seats for Zootopia at a dollar theater. 
that kind of level. And when we worry, we have to seriously ask, what has our treasure become in life? Why are we obsessed with the lesser things when God has given us a bigger vision, an eternal one, living for his kingdom, a life lived for him and for those around us? So freedom from worry is a freedom to soar with a greater mission in life rather than being dragged down in the gutters of life and and these passing concerns. So a few more reasons not to worry now. Jesus says, consider this, look here. Worry is usually pretty irrational. But Jesus is telling us to use our minds now. Think about this. You don't have to worry. And Jesus wants us especially to look at nature in these verses we're on today. The Bible reveals God, of course. But the Bible tells us that creation reveals our God too. Uh, The Belgian Confession, one of our confessions says that there are two books of God's revelation. One is nature, what we call general revelation, and the other is the Bible, special revelation. The Bible is the clearer book and the more thorough. But nature points us to God too. Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet God provides their food. As I said last week, don't worry doesn't mean don't work. Birds don't sow or reap, but God commands humans to work. Sometimes we're without work, Age or disability can make work impossible, but ordinarily, work is what God calls us to do. So it's not saying we don't do the normal things we're called to do. We do the normal things human beings are called to do to get their food and stuff, and then we rely on God. That's the point. We do all we can, all God calls us to do, and then that's it. We give it over to God. Jesus calling God our Heavenly Father is, it's almost kind of slipped in there at the end of a, of a sentence, but that is what is key in these verses. Jesus is telling us something here. He's telling us there's a difference between God's general care of creation and his care for you and me. Providence refers to God's continued care of the universe that he created in the beginning. All of creation, we believe, needs God's steady hand to keep going. It didn't get here by itself. And it's not even that God created it in the beginning and just kind of stood off and let it go. I believe the laws of nature are upheld by the Lord continually. Things keep spinning and going or whatever they do on a subatomic level all the way up to the suns and the galaxies because of God's providence. It would all collapse without his constant care. The birds fall under that general providence of God. But there's also special providence. And it means that God cares for his people in a special way. He's our heavenly father, says Jesus. And everyone knows a father's care for his children is different from his care for just anybody. I'm so blessed to be a father. I have four girls with me on earth, and I'll never forget, especially on Father's Day, that I have a son who is stillborn waiting for me in heaven. As much as I I love my nephews and nieces, and as much as I feel 
I, I love the children of this church in a special way, and as much as I know all children are precious, the care that I generally have for children is nothing like my care for my own children. It's in a whole different category of love and care, right? I do anything for them. I love them so much. I pray for them. I want to disciple them in Jesus. I work to provide them a home and food. It's all for them. Everything I do is it's all for them in a very real sense. I deal with my own kids at a whole different level than everybody else. And that's what Jesus is reminding us here when he tells us to look at the birds and says, see how your heavenly father cares for them. He doesn't say, see how their heavenly father cares for them. He's not the heavenly father of the birds. If he were, he would have said it, right? He says, see how your heavenly father cares for them. He's your heavenly father. And so do you see it? His care for the birds, if he cares for the birds, How much more does he care for his very own children? There's something else i got to say about this this morning. If you're a worrier, if you have concerns, if you're looking for freedom from worry and comfort, I sadly can't offer you any comfort at all this morning. Nothing, unless you're a child of God. The freedom from worry is for people who have God as their heavenly Father, who have confessed Jesus' names. If you haven't accepted Jesus, the Bible says that you are outside of that category of God's very special care. But I can very happily offer you freedom from worry if you turn to Jesus. And that invitation that we extend, I do as a pastor, we do it together as a church, family, that invitation to accept Jesus, it's for everybody. Just call on his name. Follow Jesus. For all who belong to Jesus, then, look to the birds. Look to how God cares for them. Think how much more he cares for you. You are a child of God. He's so much more than your creator. He's your father. And we got to apply that truth to our situation, and it will help our feelings of worry. Jesus adds here, as he goes on, are you not much more valuable than they? To say that we are more valuable than the birds points to the dignity of people. We're made in God's image, and that's different than any other life on this planet, despite how a lot of people seem to look at it. And, and you got these people who seem to care more about the baby seals than baby humans. There was an outcry a couple weeks ago when that toddler fell into the gorilla exhibit that more should have been done to save the gorilla. Almost it seemed in some of the talk saying that, not realizing that the toddler's life is very different than the animal's life. But the fact is, if you just believe in evolution and know God, you might very well miss that there is a created difference between people and all the rest of nature. It's not to say animals aren't valuable. They are. We're hearing here, God cares about the birds. And and so clearly we should too. And we should care about all God's creations. Christians should care about endangered species, animal brutality, Recycling, too, I think, as the pinnacle of God's creation, 
having been made in God's very image, we've been given responsibility of creation care. What Jesus is assuring us here is that since God cares for lesser life on this planet, and it is lesser life than human life, because he cares for the lesser life, he will care for the greater life, your life, as a human being made in his image. So don't worry. Don't worry because of your value. Sometimes we can feel pretty worthless because of our sin, because of the times we've blown it in our lives. Uh, You can feel worthless if you've been abused in your life, emotionally, physically, in a marriage maybe, or by an earthly parent. And then, then maybe you need to hear this. You are valuable in God's sight. You're precious to him. Sometimes our situation in life can make us feel like we're not worth much. In a society that puts so much value on money and stuff, if we're poor or poorer than those around us, we can feel worthless. If we don't have an important job in this world or we have no job at all for a while, we can feel like we don't have value. I think little, little kids can be made to feel worthless. Older people in nursing homes, but many conversations with, with folks in, in Providence and so forth, they, they question their value. Or maybe this morning you don't have many loved ones in this world. You're feeling, maybe you are, all alone in this world. Well, God says we have value in him. And in that we can find comfort, we can find belonging and assurance, and we can find freedom from worry in that too. And then Jesus asks, goes on, who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life. Before my last MRI, a good friend gently reminded me of this verse as I headed into it. And it was very helpful. That worrying wouldn't... Our life is in God's hands. My friend was right. Jesus is right. Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? We do what we're called to do. We work, we sow, we reap, we gather, uh, whatever care for ourselves and others that, that God calls us to. And then what will happen with all that is in his hands. We give it over to him. There's another reason in verse 28. Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. And the word look doesn't just mean uh, take a quick glance at it, but consider this. Jesus says, consider this, meditate on it, think deeply about this. The flower's splendor is greater than Solomon's. You can read all about King Solomon in the Old Testament, his clothing, his palaces, his riches, but nothing he or we have is as glorious as the simple beauty of a flower that God created. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, will he not much more clothe you? Jesus emphasizes how the grass and the lilies are here today, gone tomorrow. Our lives feel like they go by very quickly, but here today, gone tomorrow is not actually true of us. It's very different. We live into eternity. Our life has a beginning 
But each one of us has a soul that will last forever. When our bodies on this earth die, we say goodbye to our loved ones. But when someone dies, they live on, whether in heaven, if we belong to Jesus, or into everlasting punishment, if we don't belong to Jesus. And Jesus is saying, think about this now. If things that are here today, gone tomorrow, are cared for by God, how much more will he care for you, you who belong to eternity? We have a dignity and a value and an existence that goes beyond even death and the grave. God will certainly not neglect you. So Jesus is saying, look at nature and in this beautiful time of year, We've got a lot of opportunities to do that. If God cares for all of these beautiful but lesser things, he will certainly care for you, the greater thing, his precious child. Jesus says, consider this. Think about it, people. Draw conclusions. Don't give in to your feelings. But there's something else going on, too. Our section ends with, O you of little faith. So it's more than thinking about it. There's a faith component. Faith involves thinking, but it's more than just reasoning about it. There's a faith component too. Worry is ultimately a failure to freely live out our faith in all the fullness that God has for us. Little faith is likely a faith that has assurance of salvation, but that faith isn't impacting all our life as much as it should. Jesus is saying our faith is for our day-to-day life too, not only for our eternal salvation. There's a failure of faith going on with worry, and we'll talk about how we can increase our faith next week as the ultimate way to gain freedom from worry.